If you are able, please stand to show reverence to the Lord as we join in hearing of his word. The Old Testament reading this morning comes from Psalm 86, 11 through 17. It's on page 494 in your uh, pew Bible. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth, unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love toward me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. O God, insolent men have risen against me. A band of ruthless men seeks my life, and they do not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Show me a sign of your favor that those who hate me may see and be put to shame because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. Our New Testament reading is from Romans 8, 12 through 25, page 944. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself would be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. Not hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Please join me in prayer. Father, we're grateful to you for your word, that it is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And we ask, Lord, that by your help, that the meditation of our hearts and the words of our mouths, Lord, are acceptable in your sight because you are our strength and you are our redeemer. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. We've been in a series of sermons on kinship the last couple of weeks, and that's the title of the, that's the, title of the series, Kinship, the Path to and Destination of the Adopted children of God. And we are seeing the the beauty of being adopted by God. 
Now, sin, as we have talked about, sin has made us orphans. But Jesus has rescued us. And having rescued us, we, have, we then have this recognition, as Joshua preached last week, this recognition of being freed from condemnation. And now, this third sermon in the series, we want to understand the reception of the spirit of adoption and the glories therein. Now, this will be a two-part sermon, given, given the time. So, but in this, we see the adoption and what happens with orphans. Because orphans are people who have experienced trauma in their lives, whereby they are bereft of their parents. And in that bereavement, they are shaped by a sense of longing for justice, longing for things to be put right. And the orphan consciously or, or unconsciously takes on behaviors that will, in their thinking, bring about justice or fair treatment in their minds while, while they wait for answers as to why their life is so different from others. And so they will set up, they will set up a system of, if I do good, I will be treated good. And that becomes their, their view of life. There is a poem, Little Orphan Annie, by James Whitcomb Riley. James Whitcomb Riley, it's, it's so the, the poem, Little Orphan Annie, is, is, the comic strip is based on Riley's poem. And, and the orphan girl in, in the poem is the uh, orphan that his father hired for her mother, for his, for his mother to help in the home. And, and when she, while she was an orphan uh, there in the home, she would tell the children's stories. So James Whitcomb Riley would write the, this poem about her. Her name really wasn't Annie, but he, it was, it was, that's, it's another story as to why it became Little Orphan Annie. But in the poem, you can pick up on the sense of justice that Riley gives to the character Annie in in these two parts of the poem that's written in, so when you, when you see it, it's written in Hoosier dialect. Now, see, if you're from Indiana, you probably understand Hoosier dialect. I'm, I'm from Nebraska. We have a different dialect. <laughs> so here, here, here's the poem. And one time, a little girl had all us laugh and grin and make fun of everyone and all her blood and kin. And once when they was company and old folk was there, she mocked them and shocked them and said she didn't care. And thus, as she kicked her heels and turned to run and hide, there was two great black things a-standing by her side. And they snatched her through the ceiling, for she knowed what she's about. And the goblins will get you if you don't watch out. And little orphan Annie says, when the blaze is blue and the lamp wick sputters and the wind goes woo and you hear the crickets and quit, and the moon is gray, and the lightning bugs and dew is all squinched away. You better mind your parents and your teachers fond and dear, and cherish them that loves you, and dry the orphan's tear. And help the poor needy ones and clusters all about, ere the goblins will get you if you don't watch out. Do you hear, do you hear her system, her system of, of justice that, that she set up in her mind? 
that if you don't do the right thing, the goblins are going to get you. Bad is going to happen to you. If you do good things, then good things will, will come to you. See, that's the system of justice that the orphan heart longs for. And, and truth be told, we all long for justice, don't we? We all, long, we all long for justice. But what does it look like? You see, having the spirit of adoption is about justice. It's about justice. We don't think of it like this because you know, we usually want to run to the benefits of being adopted. But you know, in the context, we, you know, when, Paul, when Paul's readers heard this and they read this, they would have thought justice is what's happening in this text. And it would have been astounding to them. And we need to have the same astonishment that they had if the truth is going to transform us. We need to be astonished at the truth that the spirit of adoption as sons is where justice is rectifying all things. It's at work rectifying all things. And in our text, this is what it shows us, that the spirit is at work giving us a new obligation as it releases us from oppression, shaping our outlook on the present by the optimism of the future. Now you know why it's two-part sermon. You know, so consider the justice of the spirit of adoption as sons. It's a new obligation. Look at verses 12 through 14. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, but for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And so Paul, he's addressing them in a very pastoral way and, and reminding them that, this, that, that they are family, brothers, he says. We are debtors. And that word debtors is a word that means obligated. That's exactly how it's translated in Galatians 5.3. It's a word where Paul writes, I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. See, it's, it's that same word that's translated debtors in Romans. It's obligated in Galatians 5.3. But now Paul is saying that our debt is not to the flesh. It's not to the flesh because if you live according to the flesh, he says, you will die. The flesh had no power, had no power to save you, had no power to help you. It has no power to change us. We are powerless to change our own ways. But there's a new power that came when we were rescued and given the verdict of no condemnation. It's the power, back in Romans chapter 8, it's the power of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Therefore, the obligation is to the spirit, the new power that's at work in us. And here in the text, you see about six things that tells us that the spirit gives to us. The spirit leads us in verse 14. The spirit empowers our adoption as sons in verse 15. The spirit confirms our identity to us in verse 16. The spirit groans with us in verse 26. The Spirit helps us to pray in verse 26. And the Spirit prays for us in verse 27. See, this is the new power that has given us a new obligation. We owe nothing to the flesh. We are debtors to the Spirit. 
So here's an illustration of this concept, because you, know you, know you know how that works. You know how this works. So, so if you've been given a gift, don't you feel like you've been, ob like you're obligated to do something with it? Yeah, yeah. In fact, that's, that, for some, that's why you don't like people giving you gifts. Oh, now I'm obligated. <laughs> They're going to expect such and such from me. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you, somebody gives you a gift, you're, you, you feel an obligation to do something with it. So you know, think Spider-Man, whether it's the movie or the comic books, you know, either, either one. You know, there's been several iterations of, of Spider-Man over the years. But Spider-Man, you know, in, in, in the movie, when his Uncle Ben has him in the car, and you know, he just beat up Flash Thompson in school, he got kicked out of school, you know, his uncle doesn't know that he's been bitten by this spider, and, and he's enjoying this newfound power that, that he has. And, and, you know, and so he beats up Flash, who has been a bully to him. And so his, his uncle has him in the car, and he wants to, to have a talk with him. And, you know, typical teenager. You know, you're lecturing me. Oh, you want to talk to me now? You know, but his uncle tells, tells Peter about the changes that's happening and, and how important these years are and, and that you're becoming a man. And, and, and the, the things that you now, it's, it's, what, you're, it's what you're going to be when you're, when you're a man. And he tells them this line, remember, with great power comes great responsibility. You know, and, and it's a great line, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's, a great, it's a great line. And Peter, but Peter, he receives this new power, and the, and the power itself meant a new obligation. He couldn't live the same way that he lived before he had gotten the power. And it's similar for Christians. The way we lived before, carrying out the practices of the flesh, led us to do unjust and evil things in our sin. But now we have a new power. You're the, the spirit of life. This makes us debtors who are obligated to live according to the spirit, putting the practices of the flesh to death. See, we have the new power that makes us a new family. Hallelujah. And so then our obligation is to the spirit because he has made us sons, sons of God, as the verse says in verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And it's a great thing in the song. You know, so I don't know who was playing the prelude. I think Young was playing the prelude this morning. Yeah, and, 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 when, I, and when I heard it, I thought, oh, see, you know, God is, must be in this because, you know, she's, play, she's playing Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And it's a great line in that song that says, Oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let your goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. This is that grace of God. It's that goodness of God that he's given to us by his spirit that has made us sons, that has made us his children, brought us into his family, adopted us, and it is that goodness that has shocked the slave who hears this testimony of now I am a child of God. I am no longer living for myself, living for this flesh. That's what the Spirit of God is leading us to. If you are led by the Spirit, you are sons of God. And how is the Spirit leading us? He's leading us. He's leading us 
to the grace that is ours in Christ. He's leading us into new life as the sons of God. He's leading us into the glorious freedom whereby we can experience point number two that we'll pick up on next week. A release from oppression. See, God has in Christ brought to us this new reality, this new place where we are in his body, in, as, as his children, in a society where justice is hard to identify. And everybody seems to have their own understanding as to what justice is without, as the text says in our Old Testament reading, God is not set before them. Oh, see, there's your standard of justice. And this is what Christ has done when he has come and he has died on the cross, buried in the tomb, risen from the grave, ascended on high. He has brought the justice of God into our lives. That's what Christ has done for us. And he's made us his children. We'll talk more about that next week. Let's pray. Father, indeed, it is an astonishing thing that you have, what you have done in taking us, Lord, who were orphans. We had our own way of thinking. We had our own way of, 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 of seeing and trying to, trying to understand life and, and, and going about it with our, own, with our own views. But you have broken in upon us with the love of your son and what he has done for us in giving his life for us. Lord, enable us to take it in more and more. Oh, Lord, indeed, let your goodness like a fetter Bind our wandering hearts to thee. In Jesus' name, amen.